the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamers official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cap Bailey, and we have just finished up E3. We've just escaped. And you can we hear are. The E3 police outside chasing <laughs> us off the show floor. Yeah, just, well, I, ugh, I can't talk. Oh my god. Anyway, let's do this thing. I'm here with Jeremy Parrish. Word to your mom, they come to drop mom bombs. And also Mike Williams. Hello, hello. Yeah, we have a three-person pod going, and we're actually all in the same room, which is, like, really this novel. Room, this room is a three-person pod. <laughs> it really is. Anyway, uh, did you guys have a good D3? How was your show? It was great, and yeah. that surprises me. I didn't expect it to be Why good. was it? Whoa, hey, okay. you said that really enthusiastically for you. Yeah, I just, I saw a lot of games I really liked, and I had really good interviews, and I ended up actually getting more appointments kind of at the last minute than I expected. So, yeah, like, what's not to like? How about you, Mike? I always love E3. E3's new games, new shiny games, and excited developers. Developers love showing stuff off because they've spent hours and days and months and weeks and years working on it. Yes, I also had a really good E3. Um, there were some games, I saw some games today that I'm like, yes, I, I got to see all the best games today. It was really good. Uh, but one game that we saw today to wrap up E3 was Zelda. We finally saw Zelda. I was with you, Jeremy. Well, that's not an RPG. Yeah, we do this every single time. <laughs> I, I don't care. I, I talk I'm about Zelda. <laughs> I talk about Zelda on this podcast. My podcast. I talk about Zelda. Well, it's okay. I do this thing. Anyway, uh, so before we get to my thoughts, Jeremy, I want to hear your thoughts. Well, you know... I'm always reluctant to be too enthusiastic about games that have a lot of hype and that seem to have kind of like this group think going for them. But in this case, I, I, it would be honest, dishonest not to just gush about Zelda because it's, gush, so, gush. it's so much the game that I want. You know, I've been, I've talked about this before, but I've been playing the Zelda games since the original. And there was this great sense of just going out and getting lost in the original Zelda. I mean, it's not that big a game in hindsight, but at the time it was unprecedented. There was nothing like it. And it was just this sense of like, here's a huge world for me to explore. I don't know what's out there. Sometimes I don't know what to do. And this this game really captures that for the first time ever in a Zelda game since the original. That's, that's a rare feeling. I didn't think it would ever come back. Mm. But it has. And... Like that tiny, quote-unquote, tiny demo space that they gave us. Like this, I don't know, probably a couple of square acres of space of video game real estate to explore. Like there was so much to do in that. And they limited it to what, like a 15-minute demo? And I played that twice. And each time there were things that I almost got to. And then the demo ended. And, you know, those they were, they were completely different things, like different directions. Like, that's a small amount of game real estate. I mean, if if there's one of those shrines, the mystery shrines or whatever they're called, um, mystic shrines, uh, if there's a hundred of those in the game, this space had one of them. So assuming they're distributed evenly, we saw like 1% of the game. And that was, like, that was a full hour of gameplay. And 
just mm. exploring. And within that space, there were lots of things to do, lots of different approaches to take. I mean, when you played, you picked up a wood axe to use as a weapon. When I played the first time, I just had a sword, but the second time I got a bow. And like each time we played, we had totally different combat styles and took totally different approaches to everything in the world. And there's just all these weird little things you can do that are not necessary for the game. But like, you know, they were really eager to show off the fact that you could jump on your shield and slide down mm -hmm. hills. And that's pointless and goofy, but when you're doing that, you can do like a spin attack and hit everything in sight. But weapons have breakability, so I was using like a cheap Bokoblin shield that I took from a fallen enemy, and I tried doing some slides on that, and it damaged the shield, and halfway through one of my slides, it just shattered, and I took a tumble and lost health. And I was like, I, I didn't expect that. So it just seems like they've really accounted for a lot in this game, and there is a lot to account for. Uh, the guy demoing was telling us that at the very beginning of the game, before Link, like, he's just wearing shorts, before he puts on trousers and boots, um, when he opens treasure chests, he kicks them. And if you don't have boots on, he'll kick them and, like, hobble because he hurt his foot. And that's probably something you're going to see, like, once in the game if you even do it. But it's it's, to me, that is like very emblematic of why this game is interesting because open world games full of crafting and gathering and you know finding objects out there on a mini map like those are so old hat at this point so tired but nintendo's never really done one and nintendo doesn't do stuff until they think they can do it right and do it well so the fact that you know they've taken so long to jump on this bandwagon to me, I expect that means it's going to be a really refined experience and everything is going to have meaning and substance. And that's something you don't find a lot in open world games. So that's really, like, to me, that's reason to be excited. There will be a lot of uh, runs on Twitch streams of Link not wearing anything, just in his skivvies. Probably. Because uh, when I, because when you start out the game, um, it's interesting. You wake up in a resurrection chamber, and apparently you've been asleep for a hundred years. And I'm like, oh wow, okay, that's very different for a Zelda game. Mm -hmm. And you walk out like this voice guides you out, and to to some treasure chests, and they contain like your clothes. They don't give you a sword or anything. They just give you clothes. And I was like, do I have to equip the, the shirt? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, done. And so I just was <laughs> like shirtless Link for the rest of the time. He looks pretty good for being asleep for 100 years. Yeah, it kind of, like without the shirt on, he kind of reminds me of uh, Jen, the uh, Gelfling from the, the Dark Crystal. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and then you walk out and you meet this crazy old... Yes. Yes. You walk out um, into the world, and you meet this crazy old guy. Uh, he says, quote, I'm a weird old guy living out here. He doesn't really tell you, and he's the one who kind of gives you the background and, like, what's been going on and everything. Do we, do we assume that he's just the king of Hyrule? Probably. Just like the boat. Mm. Oh, oh, spoiler alert, but... Okay, this is something that happens in the first five minutes of the game. Yes. And it's just speculation, for God's sake. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, and then it, I mean, it like gently guides you around to trying different things. But um, for the most part, it's happy to let you kind of go do whatever you want. 
and that's where I got my axe. Is like there was um I was kind of I was about to run off, and they're like, oh, you could probably pick up that axe. So I'm like, ooh, axe, and then so I picked up the axe. And one of the things that's kind of vaunted about what they added to the game is that you can jump. And For the first uh, time since Link's Awakening, I think. Was it Link's Awakening? Yeah, Link's Awakening better. with the rock feather. Yeah, right, but that was a whole item. So now I want a battle royale between Zelda 2 Link and Link's Awakening Link and this Link. Because they'll just be jumping around. So they'll just be jumping around, doing downward stabs, presumably. But I was actually doing lots of jump a, jump and attack um, stuff, and that was uh, the the axe felt very good. Can like you mantle. Hmm. Can you mantle. Mantle. Yes, mantle. You grab the ledge and pull yourself up. Oh, you can climb anything. Yeah, that's you, the crazy. Part. You're like a like, squirrel. The only thing we found that we couldn't climb was the uh, spire on top of the the like hidden chamber. That uh, you had to uncover, mm-hmm. but otherwise, if you see it, you can climb it. Now, I did get to a part where there was some, there were some really tall, steep cliffs, and you have limited stamina. So, I that was that was what I was heading toward when I timed out the second time. But I'm pretty sure that if you tried to climb those cliffs, you would get up to a certain point, almost close to the top, and then you would run out of stamina and mm-hmm. fall. Mm-hmm. And they were teasing me like. Not teasing me, but they were they were kind of like as I was playing and getting near the end of the demo, they were like, "Oh, there's something over here. I wonder if he's gonna find it." Yeah, I trust him to find it. I didn't find it because I timed out. Oh, um, I'm, I'm curious to know what that was. I found like this little log cabin, just kind of off on the side of the cliff, and there was like the cliffs behind, and there was clearly something up on top of the cliffs. So I just want to explore more of the world. So was it also your nickname of the show, Cat? Are you teasing me? I am. I am. We've talked about all of this beforehand. So. Yes. This, this is actually a written script that we're reading from. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's different. Um, and I don't think an hour, um, even an hour with it, really captures the scope of that game no, at all. Not. So it's really tough for me to make a judgment. Mm. Uh, the one game that was definitely going through my mind a lot, which was kind of interesting with Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, because that is a similar game, which is very aimless um, and very open, and they're like, I'll just go out into this world and explore and see if you can get to the top of that thing and do that thing. And um, It was for some people, and it was not for some other people. Um, I think that... I think that this game will have more to do, ultimately, than Xenoblade Chronicles X. And I think that it will be a slightly more guided experience. But I also worry that Nintendo is going to lean really heavily on the shrines, and that the shrines might not be as compelling, ultimately, as just doing those really nice handcrafted dungeons. Well, I mean, the shrines are handcrafted. No, they are, but... Uh, I mean, the shrine that we saw was okay. Well, it's like the first. I know, I know, I know, I know. What do you want? I I think what I'm hearing is the difference here is is Jeremy has an unerring faith in Nintendo to quote pull this off. I mean, it could be a disaster somehow, but (laughs) I don't think it'll be a disaster. I just think that they have a very particular vision for this game, which is very open ended, very like. All right, 
Uh, and I mean, you hit it on the head the, in the spirit of the original Zelda. That's what everybody's been saying. And um, I I think that after the really hand-holdy Skyward Sword, that's refreshing. And in fact, it feels like this game was made in reaction to Skyward Sword. So what do you feel is perhaps missing? Because you, you also uh, have loved, uh, like, Fallout. Yeah. Which is very, very big almost semi-aimless open world as well. Uh, Do you feel that, that maybe Fallout's world is more, feels more populated? <laughs> <laughs> feels more... Got it in one. <laughs> more populated? Or, or... I think they're totally different games. Mm. I mean, uh, Zelda's an adventure game where you're going and you're exploring some uh, puzzle. You're like solving some puzzles maybe. Um uh, you're just kind of wandering around. Like Fallout is an RPG where you're doing like quests and stuff. Like mm. it is actually fairly guided. Like when I, anytime I'm, I don't feel like wandering around anymore. I can look at my big list of quests and go, hmm, what do I want to do, right? Um, whereas this game, I'm not entirely sure what I'll be doing most I, of the time. I think it's going to be pretty guided for people who don't want to just wander around. I think. You know, just based on the opening, like within the demo, there's very clearly structure and a sense of progression. You start mm. out, you meet the king, like the meet, king. Oh, sorry, the old guy. Spoiler. You meet the old guy who is pretty difficult to miss. Yeah. Like you pretty much. He's have right to talk there. To him. You basically are like, oh, there's that guy. And yeah, from there you basically are in a very limited space, and you have to go and uh, open up that shrine and you get your uh, the zero point gun from Half-Life 2 that only works on metal and then he's like well if you want to get off of this plateau where you're trapped and you want to not die I'll give you my parasail but you have to do a quest for me I think there's going to be a lot of that like there's going to be a very clear line of progression throughout the game yeah. And for people who don't want to go see, like, what happens if I climb this mountain? Then there's going to be, like, a, well, I need to go do this side quest or go complete this dungeon or whatever. I'm wondering how meaty the story is going to be. Because the world you would go into is, like, empty. Like, it's almost like post-apocalyptic uh, wasteland. This is why I brought up Fallout 4. Well, yeah, but in Fallout 4 you have people all the time. <clears throat> Like, you go into villages and everything. There yes, are well, no... and it's, it's hard to say what it's going to be like. Yeah. Because NPCs have right. always been a big part of Zelda. Like, yeah. One, one, one thing that always struck me about Wind Waker is the fact that there's, like, six enemy types and something like a hundred unique models for the villagers. So the, the Zelda team always puts a lot of thought into the NPCs and sure. the side characters. And what we saw in the demo is the opening of the game, and the idea is that it's isolated and desolate. So once you get away from there, I, I think there's going to be plenty of people to talk to, and they'll probably have all kinds of quests, and there's going to be a guy in a cabin in the, the woods who's like, my name's Error. <laughs> and yeah, that, that's just a part of Zelda's DNA. And I don't see this most RPG-ish of Zelda games abandoning such a simple, simple central premise and element of RPGs. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they allude to some kind of calamity happening. I think they actually mentioned Calamity Ganon. <laughs> yeah, he's related to Calamity Jane. Yes. Um, and, like, they're holding... He's being held in... For a hundred years, something bad has been happening. Like, 
the the castle Hyrule castle has trapped Ganon's spirit and he's trying to burst out but you know if you've been asleep for a hundred years and the castle's been holding Ganon for a hundred years clearly there's some kind of connection and yeah like I think it'll all be part of that the uh, the, the chamber that you wake up in actually at the beginning kind of reminds me of Crystallis for NES. Do you remember that game? Yes. Where you wake up at the beginning and you're mm. in like a resurrection chamber and it turns out you were from long ago and you were put into this uh, suspended animation because the world has undergone some sort of apocalypse and yeah, like it's it seems very reminiscent of that with a little bit of Ghibli in there. Yeah. What do you think of the art style? I love it. Yeah. I... Uh, I think the TV we were playing on at such close range really shows off some of the artifacting, which mm-hmm. I don't think does any good for the game. I don't think it's uh, rendering at 180p for those who care about such things, but it still looks great. I mean, art style overall, you know? Um, I completely agree. The painterly effects on the, the environment are basically Skyward Sword, the next generation. It's yeah, great. it's like they took the best aspects of Wind Waker and Skyward Sword and kind of put them together. Um, it, I think painterly is a good word for it. So, so is it going to have that... Um, what was his name from Skyward Sword? Lineback? Oh, no, you're thinking oh, about... Um, Sorry. Groose? Oh, yes, Groose. Yes. The Groose is loose? Yeah, best character. No, they're not going to have He's him. actually going to be the final boss. Yes. <laughs> Sorry to spoil again. Groose? Actually, that's the mysterious old man. It's Groose. Uh, a gruesome and uh, unresolved sexual tension, the villain. Anyway, if you want to see more uh, Sky... Sorry, not Sky Resort. If you want to see more Zelda coverage, you can go over to US Gamer. Like, Nadia wrote like 2,000 words on the stream alone. I'm going to be writing some stuff. Bob's written some stuff. Yeah, there's definitely like a lot of thoughts to be had over on the site, so go check it out. Yeah, but it's a... I can see why so many sites, including maybe ours have put it on their, like, best of E3 lists. Oh, yeah. Because Nintendo, I think, took a big risk by making that their game for E3. Who's ever done that? Who's ever devoted that much floor space to a single game? Mm-hmm. But there's so much game there, and it's so evocative that, like, everyone's gotten a taste of it and enjoyed it, but gone away wondering, like, what else is there to this game? What more happens? That's That's some damn good marketing. Indeed. Another... <laughs> what was that? Why are you shaking your head? You know he went, Jeremy Parrish is in the full throne. This is this is Jeremy on the rise here. <laughs> uh, another RPG that we went out and saw was Horizon Zero Dawn, which we finally got to... So we saw it last year, but it was... More or less just an E3 presentation. They didn't yeah. really show much of anything. This year they had like a full demo um, that they were showing to the press uh, where you start out in a, a village, or like a settlement. Mm, yep. Um, and you're heading out into <laughs> whatever. Far cry, far yeah. And you're heading out into the world and you are you're on a particular quest uh, you're like rescuing somebody i believe um there's like a corrupted zone and you go out and there are the robot dinosaurs everywhere the the corrupted robot dinosaurs and we got to see we got to see see things like her like taming the mountain and everything like riding it around um 
and it finishes up with her in the the village uh, or the corrupted area that she's going to fighting a thing called the, the destructor which is um a more powerful enemy and she has to use her like focus sense to read its weaknesses and everything mm. um and shoot fire at it and like tether it down and like basically do as much damage as possible um until it reveals its weak point and then finally take it out um and then up to level 14 she levels up right <laughs> yeah it's um like the game really makes me think of like far cry primal mm. plus monster hunter like I said, Zoids. There's some Zoids in there. Yeah, there's um, definitely some Zoids. Um, but I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like, I think mm. it's really cool. And I'm sad that I didn't get to play. I had to step away from the demo before they got to the playable part because I had to go talk about other RPGs with you other people. You shouldn't be sad. Those are good games. The, uh, the, the actual playable demo part was um, just kind of an, an area you could, where you could, like, mess around and... You could like try to tame the mount. Sort of like a sandbox. Kind of a sandbox. <laughs> kind of a sandboxy area. Um, and so I messed around with the mechanics and was like looking at things. Like it was, it was very simple, but it gave me a feel for the combat, and I was really impressed by the combat. I was really impressed by how it felt, and I think the secret is it doesn't have a lock on. Mm. Uh, it's not assisted, and I think that. Like, okay, like, just as an example, like Red Dead Redemption, um, great game in many respects, but I found the combat in that game pretty boring because, I mean, there's an auto-aim for the most part. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you can turn that off, whatever, but, I mean, there's not much more than that. It's not much you can do with a revolver. Yeah. Um, I also wasn't a huge fan of Witcher 3's combat. I, I thought it was hacky slashy. You should have played Rise of the Tomb Raider. Okay, why? Yeah, that had really great combat. Not great um, combat. Unfortunately, and... some of the combat design was really poor. That final section, though. Yeah. Screw that. But uh, the basic mechanics of the combat and the bow, wow, so good. Yeah, it was it was really polished and really good. But anyway, yes, right. Continue. Uh, I, I think that, first of all, it feels good to shoot that bow. Mm. And they have a bit of aim assist, but not a ton and so it feels just good enough like you feel really good when you um shoot one of the little raptors like robotic raptors like right in the middle of the glowing eye mm. and they just like tumble away and like fall down uh, it's really good <laughs> um and then you can you also have like a melee attack you have like multiple different types of arrows like a concussion arrow and everything mm. um and as we already said you can like tether robots down um the thing that i it's a deeper RPG than I was, like, really expecting, to be honest. Um, aside from crafting, like, they're promising, like, these really meaty side quests that you can do. Um, they're promising that when you're talk, when that you can build up relationships with the various NPCs uh, that will ultimately have an impact on the final part of the game. Um, there's random loot drops, um, like, common, rare, epic, like, loot... Um, that is randomized, so they also have like regular, like they also have bespoke um, items that will drop. And I'm like, oh wow, man, there's actually a fair amount to this game in terms of uh, mechanics. Um, they even have like status effects. Like I was getting hit by lightning, and you could see a little lightning symbol, which just indicated that you were um, being hurt. So I was like, okay, so th this is 
going a little further than I was expecting. Um, it kind of reminds me of The Witcher a little bit. Um, maybe not, maybe not a status effect heavy, mm-hmm. but there's definitely some wild hunting happening. There's definitely some wild hunting happening. Yeah, I would say that. It, 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 there is absolutely nothing wrong with taking a range of great ideas and no, putting them together not. in one game. That's no, what, that's what I loved about Recore. I think the thing that speaks to me the most is just I really like the combat. Mm. Um, I think it feels really good. I think there's a lot to do with it. And I think that we're only really seeing the tip of the iceberg with this one. Yeah, as much combat as this game seems to have, it's important for that to be spot on. I completely agree. Um, We'll see about the story. It it might be just okay. Uh, uh, Clearly the heroine has some mysterious connection to the robots. Yes, yes. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It's it's going to be messianic, and we know it. That's just how games are. Yeah. My, I think the worst thing about the game is it's going to come out the same day as Persona Five and Skyward uh, Breath of Wind. It's going to be every game's going to come out. Oh my god! February fourteenth, and we're going to die. I was right. No. I was telling her before for the review. I was like, you know what's going to happen? A bunch of other games that you want to play are going to come out at the exact same time, and I'm going to get to take Horizon. My you, day you, has you come. You're trolling about Horizon. <laughs> so Point is, it takes a lot for me to get into an open world game these days because yeah. I don't think open world's just that not that special anymore. Which is sad because open world games are so, so hard great. to make. Yeah, I'm, they're like really. It's really impressive, like the technical accomplishment of making an open world game. But uh, usually, they just don't do anything for me anymore because it's like most of the time it's like, well, yeah, that's nice. I'm running around in this big world, but it doesn't feel like it does it feels like i'm in a big amusement park it's like not that interactive to me like i don't feel like i'm in this world right and when i'm not in this world i can't engage with that world i'm, I'm honestly surprised you didn't feel that way about zelda to uh, me it feels very immersive i i already said that i'm like totally withholding judgment on this like i'm totally I, I, I just, I already said that I don't feel like I had enough time to really yeah. come to grips with it. I think there's, there's so much to this experience and I really want to see like how it truly comes together. I want to spend a day with this thing. Cat like Zelda, we just like ribbing her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was, I was tentative because normally I'm not a big fan of like big aimless experiences. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Zelda's a big aimless experience. Hmm. But on the other hand, it seems really cool. And I trust Nintendo. And there's so many things that game does that I really like. In terms of, like, the different weapons. And I love the fact that you're cooking rather than getting hearts from the bushes. I trust them to hold your hand just enough but also, like, leave you to do what you want to do. I'm sure that the world looks gigantic. Yeah. Like, we were looking at the map. It was huge. On, on both games, I, I've been mostly silent, but that is because I am on board with both. I love Zelda. I love open-world games. And everything that fed, that feeds into Horizon Zero Dawn is all good stuff to me. I mean, Horizon was the game that I went away from E3 2015 most interested in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't changed like i'm still really eager to play the game yeah uh i'm like 
yes, I'm in. Like, after I was done, I was like, yes, I'm in. Like, that, my excitement is not diminished. This is so far living up to my expectations. So that's great. That's and I'm glad time. to see that Gorilla is not just superficially putting in the RPG elements, that they really seem like to be like, this is an RPG as far as we're concerned. Um, obviously there's going to be some strong action elements, but right. this is not just like a superficial thing. This is an RPG. Mm. So, uh, I'm like, great. That's awesome. And an RPG with really great combat. Uh, but if it's coming out at the same time as Persona 5, I gotta say that I'm on Team Persona 5. I gotta play wow. that one. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be Persona 5. I, I will take the plunge and play that game because it's gonna be really long and terrifying. My, my intention is to play all. I, I, would... I mean, but I'm I'm gonna play them all, just not at the same time. Right, and 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 now, that's recorded for posterity forever. <laughs> that's fine. But, but I mean, you can uh, have Horizon if I get Persona Five. But the, the, the lead reviewer on Horizon anyway. Huh? I'm the lead reviewer on. Horizon He's the lead anyway. reviewer on Horizon. Oh, <laughs> that's why I love messing. We're, the boss's prerogative. That's why I love messing with you about this. <laughs> the lead. Whatever. Um. <laughs> That's yeah. what that's what I'd get for not jumping on that stupid E three yep. that stupid review tracker fast it's enough. There for a reason. I put my name down for Persona Five though, so yeah. And so did Bob. There's a bunch of other RPGs that were on the show that just didn't have that prominence. Prominence Persona Five was there. You guys saw a. I left movie. Horizon so that I could talk to the Dragon Quest Seven creators or development team. That's one. Followed immediately by Paper Mario Color Splash. It was like, and then I played Zelda. It was an RPG kind of day. Okay, before we get to Dragon Quest stuff, I really want to touch, quickly want to touch on Persona 5. Um, yesterday we went and we got a tour of the stuff that was already shown in public, um, but it was with commentary from John Harden from Atlas. And he was po- pausing and like pointing out different things and like talking about the game. Oh, um, I gotta say that, you know, it's funny, like every time I watch a trailer of that game, I get really excited. And then like I spend some time like going, man, that game was really red. I hope like that yeah, red doesn't completely overwhelm everything. And then I watch like nine minutes of gameplay. I'm like, oh my God, this game is so gorgeous. Like it's, I wrote in my an article yesterday when this as when this podcast goes up, that I can totally see why this game took six years to make. The level of detail is absurd in everything. It does something you never see in console RPGs anymore, which is that for like every dialogue event, you know, there's there's a dialogue box. It's not just spoken like Final Fantasy is now. There's a dialogue box, but there's still people like digital actors moving around in the background, not just like cardboard cutouts sliding in over the front of the dialogue. It's like there's actually play acting happening in these little minor events. Yep. They don't do that anymore. No one does that. What is Atlas doing? The images on the text boxes aren't static. They're actually like, they get like an animated flourish and stuff, and the mouths are moving, and you're like, really? Wow, no wonder this took so long to Media make. Vision did a little bit for Digimon Cyber Sleuth. A little bit. Hmm. I guess I should play that. that. That was a surprisingly good game for... That's what I've heard. Like, no reason. We neglected it. We're terrible. But they also... Yes, we did. Um, but they also do stuff like... Now, instead of... When you take a part-time job, instead of giving a little vignette, you get a... Um, you play a minigame. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so you're playing minigames when you're doing that. 
And there also appear to be like Yakuza style mini games scattered throughout the city. Okay. So like you can go and play, like they showed uh, the main character in batting cages, for example. And I was like, and actually walking around Shibuya, and this is probably because Yakuza is predominantly set in Tokyo. I got a really strong Yakuza vibe, uh, walking through there. And the areas are definitely recognizable. Like they went for a, this is a real place kind of vibe. Except in, except instead of Sanginjaya, it's Yonginjaya. Like, uh, like they have like just random little changes. Random little punny changes like that. Yeah, it's strange, but. Could I rewind real quick? You said sure. butts? What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of butts in that game. Yeah, the first the first dungeon you're in is, is like this palace, uh, which I might point out is appears to be bespoke. It's not. I love using that word bespoke. Um, it's not randomized. Like it's not a randomized series of floors like in the previous games. Like sure. they actually have small puzzles and that kind of thing. Okay. Like there was one point where you could get a map, which just goes to show that it's not random. So in that respect, they are adding mini games to the the jobs. They have like actual handcrafted uh, dungeons. Um, And also that dungeon has a lot of butts. So I can only assume that it's like statues that are like the backside is facing you and it's wearing like a teddy, like a female Mm -hmm. abdomen. It's very strange. Yes. But this is Persona we're talking Persona. about. It's what they do. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the the date Cupid dungeon in Persona Q. Mm-hmm. Just with more butts. <laughs> uh, but they have um, well, they have upgraded the battle system as well. Um, they have uh, something called like the Baton Touch, where the main character can pass his turn off to another character. So if they've buffed up, they will. Um, be even more powerful so okay. you can basically alpha strike an enemy okay um you everybody has a gun and uh you just like america just like in america uh, uh, too soon but oh you got. <laughs> sorry um sorry. but you're you're like shooting and everything um and enemies are weak to the the firearm that you have and of course you're knocking them down just like in normal personas. Um, But they've definitely added some mechanics in that regard. And uh, just in general, like, it's very recognizably Persona, but they've dramatically expanded the scope. And good God, is it gorgeous. So. I'm ready. I'm all in. I'm ready one day. Just put it in my veins. (laughs) I'll buy it and I'll put it next to something and do a bunch of review games, and eventually one day I will play Persona 5. Did you ever play Persona 4? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Persona 4 Golden on Vita. Well, there you go. I played Persona 3. I'm going to get Persona 5, and you won't see me for a month. Could be trouble. Could and then I'll problem. come out and be like, Senpai! I guess uh, Nadia's getting Persona 5. Nadia's getting Persona 5. <laughs> no, she's on the Zelda review. We've already decided that she's earned the Zelda review. After that amazing news story that she did. Yeah. So there's... What else was there? Star Ocean? You were talking Paper Mario. I didn't, yeah, I didn't play Star Ocean. Paper um, Mario. Well, Star Ocean's like coming out really soon, isn't yeah. it? Final Fantasy fifteen. I don't even know what to think about that game. I don't think it showed very well. The E3 demos were terrible. I don't think the game is terrible. No. But... It, I don't think that game demos well in general. No. I think there are 
at a loss to I be as to be like, well, what should we do? And I think, I think they made this for E3. From the start. I think they made this for E3 because they called it the special E3 mission. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the special E3 mission is you're fighting Titan. He's really big. His big arms are sweeping around. Uh, you're running around like your buddies are popping in to like block stuff. And it's supposed to, I think it's supposed to feel like a set PC type action uh, sequence. But it doesn't come off super well. Yeah, the camera is really bad. That was that was a bad part of the Microsoft press conference. I agree. Final Fantasy should not be a bad part of a press conference. And it was a really bad idea to do VR. Like Final Fantasy fifteen didn't need VR. That seemed pretty needless. Google Sydney and virtual reality. No. 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 Stop. Yeah. No. Why are you doubling down on that? I'm still trying to get my head around the, the the combat system of the game. The, the the section I played was was much like episode Dusk Eye. It was a more open area, mm-hmm. and they start off and they're there in the car, and then they push the car, and you get some banter, and then they go meet Sid and Sydney, and then they go out and wander for a while, and that that actually it it, it worked rather well, at least the world building. Like, it felt like a, a great mix of a real world and Final Fantasy. Like, so a, a roadside Midwest shop with Jacobos outside, like... Did you just call them Jacobos? I did. I did. Alright. Look, man, everyone has so, a So you're thinking, like, Chocobos plus Stuckies? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, almost. Do they have, like... I don't that be into that? I don't actually know. They have little stuff on the shelves, and they have uh, they they all have a Coleman tent. So that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> like the weirdest weirdest product placement ever. So at this point, I'm just withholding all judgment on Final Fantasy 15 because I really have no idea what the final game is that we're going to get. It feels like a game that throws a lot of stuff at the wall. It feels really big and really messy, and honestly, I have no idea what the actual structure of the game is going to be outside of... It's going to be a road trip, has a structure but I don't know what that what form that's going to take. I, I'm just like... It's 15 days. No, it's like a, it's a road trip. That, yeah, it's a road trip. What does that mean? It's like, okay, it's a road trip. It shows that you're actually able to drive the car around, and that's cool, but like... You're, you're not actually, I mean, you are, but it's, like, as weak as possible. Like, the car can't drive off-road. It has to stay on the road. And oh. You can drive it and stop and brake, but that, that's, it's not like a... It's not... Not like a GTA. You know, like, <laughs> it's not Forza Horizon 3. No, <laughs> no the, the, car is like, the car is like, no, we are staying on this road. All right, fair enough. So... Yeah, like I said, withholding judgment, we'll see. Uh, I think it'll come together great. But I do think that you're right, that it's not the kind of game that you go, here's a snippet of. No. And And that's RPGs in general. They just don't (laughs) generally demo all that well. Um, Speaking of Final Fantasy, though, um, really quickly, Final Fantasy XII HD... Looks good in HD. Very good in HD. I was like walking past and I'm like, hey. Yeah. Hello, it's... beautiful. So this is something, a little nugget I've held on to for a long time. But I remember going to see 
a GDC presentation in 2007, I'm pretty sure it was 2007, with the art director of Final Fantasy XII, who talked about how when they created the game, they created the texture assets in high definition. They were HD, and they downsampled them for PS2. Mm. So the game was born to be an HD game. That's why I've been baffled that it's taken so long. I wanted to ask the devs about it, but I got shut out before uh, before I had a chance. But yeah, it's, it was a game that was made to be HD, and the character models, unless you get up really close, don't look bad. Like They don't look like they are from two generations ago at all. No, I would almost... I mean, almost... the texture work is really good. Vaughn does still have the weirdest, grossest abdomen. I don't know what's up with that, but he looks like it's like... It's like a beetle carapace. It's really gross. <laughs> and it just looks worse in HD. But everything else about the game is just so stunning. They had to completely redo Final Fantasy X, right? More or less from scratch? Yeah, because yeah, they had to do new models and new textures. But they, they did not have to do that. Like, they're tweaking the, the game visuals to make use of, you know, the current generation's capabilities. But they're putting more work into rebalancing the gameplay. Like, it's... The original team is working on this. No kidding. Uh, not Matsuno, obviously. Oh. Uh, and I doubt Minagawa, because he's... I don't think he's with Square Enix anymore, either. But... As the, many of the people they could get to Yeah, play. I mean, the original programmer, the original uh, like project manager, uh, Hitoshi Sakimoto and Bass Escape have redone the music. Like They've remixed the original soundtrack into 7.1 stereo, and also, just for the hell of it, recorded orchestral versions of all the music. And Is that good or bad? Because they messed great. up the soundtrack in 10. It sounds so good. It's good. Good. No, the scores, the said, you, you, they screwed up 10. We They're, were talking about... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was saying, we were talking earlier about <clears throat> I Am Setsuna. All of I Am Setsuna's music is straight orchestra stuff. It's That's good. nice. They're, they're giving you dual track audio, but you don't want to use the Japanese voice track because it has the best English voice acting of any Square Enix game ever. And they... By the way, quick plug, you should go read our big feature, our big cover story about Final Fantasy XII's localization that we yep. posted last year. Um, so, yeah, they've, re- they've taken the original voice acting assets and I'll put them at a higher audio resolution so they sound really crisp and they don't have that echoey quality that ps2 games did um but hiroyuki ito the original battle system designer who's been kind of missing in action for a long time is heavily involved in the game and is working on retooling the game balance the combat balance the flow the pacing adding new gambits like it's it's a top to bottom overhaul without really changing like the game as you see it it just is going to play differently. It's, it's they've also added, this is important, they've also added autosave when you zone out. So Ooh. you don't have to go looking for crystals anymore. Which I said, you know, I remember there were a few times when I would be playing and like after an hour and a half I was like, I haven't saved in a long time and something bad could happen. And uh, the producer like pantomime sweating, like flop sweat. He was like, oh yeah. And we all had those experiences too. So it's one of those games that is going to play like you remember it, not how it actually was. Yes. And it's funny because when I talked to the Dragon Quest Seven team today, um, which is the same Good as segue. the Dragon Quest Builders team, um, 
that's exactly what they said. They said, you know, people tend to buff up and make games more beautiful. They tend to beautify uh, games and their memories. And we aim to make the games look and play the same way they remember rather than the way they actually played. And the greatest compliment you can hear about a remaster is, oh, they didn't change a thing because that means that we succeeded in living up to people's memories as opposed to you know disappointing them with the reality of what the game was. Mm. And uh, the Dragon Quest VII's reality is harsh indeed, at least in the case of the original. Right, and they are aware <laughs> of that. They said, you know, a lot of people, we heard from a lot of people that they never managed to finish the game because they couldn't find tablets or that they you know, didn't use all the vocation, excuse me, and jobs available, so we really streamlined the game without changing the nature. They added new story vignettes, so, like, the substance of Dragon Quest Seven is better, but it's less grindy, it's less, like, you spend, you'll spend less time wondering, where do I go next? What, what do I need to find in order to advance? So, yeah, it's, um, like, I, I played the import version back when it first came out in 2012. Duh. Has yeah. it been four years? Yeah. <laughs> oh my and, god. And, uh, like, it's it's massively overhauled from the PS1 version. So if you didn't like the PS1 Dragon Quest Seven, Dragon Warrior Seven, you should still play this game because it's massively changed. It's unlike unlike Final Fantasy XII, uh, the Zodiac Age, which is, like, the same game, just refined. This is a really different take on the game. So this is Seven. Seven. It's not one that was on PS2. No, eight is eight. on its way, but that 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 is actually the only Dragon Quest game I've I've played. You should play five. You can find this it is, on Amazon. This is what I, nine I is also play. really good. Nine is also really good. I agree. I played the original Dragon Warrior, and it just was not no my kidding. jam. It was not my jam. No, that's too bad. Five is a lot different than the original. Yeah, I, I've just always had this irrational hate of uh, first-person RPGs. Uh, so like the wizardry style, like I like to see my little. You like to see your little characters. Yes. Well, you can do that in nine, you know. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's that's probably the most relevant thing that they said in the Dragon Quest uh, interviews. Uh, it was weird because I've never at A three had an experience where I talked to the same developers twice about different games from different publishers, but I went in to interview them about Builders the other day, and then this morning I went in, and they were like, hello again. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the interview, they were like, we'll see you again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> and that is actually true. They will see us again sometime. Yeah. Um, but Dragon Quest Builders, really quickly, uh, can I just say that I don't like Minecraft at all, and some of that is to do with, I just hate the art style. And I'll give you that one. I'll give that, I'll give that I just don't like the blocky people. And Dragon Quest Builders, um, cute. No, I'm psyched for Dragon Quest Builders. I'm in. Yeah, it looks I, great. I'm super psyched for it, because I do love Minecraft. And you were saying something that I found pretty interesting last night, Jeremy, when you were talking about Dragon Quest Builders. You were saying that it gives you more direction than yeah. Minecraft. Um, you know, I, I posted this story to the site earlier this week. But what they told me was that they really want Dragon Quest Builders to be to Minecraft games, what Dragon Quest 1 was to RPGs. Because at the time, like in the retrospective we ran last week, I think, um, there weren't really console RPGs. And RPGs were something for core users. They were for people who owned PCs 
and wanted to play like 800 hours in a dungeon in first-person mode. And Dragon Quest said, no, no, let's strip all the excess out and give people the, the, the kernel of the RPG experience, but quick and accessibly and in a way where they can, you know, eventually finish the game, even if they're not very good. And they want to do something similar with Minecraft-style games. But, you know, obviously, it's not just couriers playing Minecraft games. It's a lot of kids. Uh, I know a lot of kids who love Minecraft. You sure do. I mean, some of them are related to you. Yes. Well, those are the kids I know. I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we can all play Let's not get weird. Um, No, but, but, you know, what the point there is that people who like, you know, console RPGs like structure and they like guidance. And they're really conscious of, you know, especially a Japanese audience that wants direction and focus in their games. And they sit down with Minecraft and they're like, what am I doing? Where am I going? Why? There's no end game for this. There's no objective. It's just do whatever I want, but I want someone to tell me what to do. And I'm kind of that way too. I like having a goal. I I like having something to work toward. Aside from just like self-imposed objectives. I mean, yeah, you could say like, I want to build the Starship Enterprise in Minecraft, but okay, but if you just want to like have an adventure, Minecraft doesn't have that unless you play Minecraft Story Mode, which isn't actually Minecraft. So, Dragon Quest Builders is that that midpoint. It is a four chapter structured game set in the original Dragon Warrior world, um, where you have like it has a lot of things that are kind of automated. It has a lot of uh, like preset designed dungeons where you need to go and complete objectives but at the same time you can totally just build stuff and it, it, to me it strikes a really great balance it is one of the games i am definitely looking forward to most this year um i was going to say it's the game i was most anticipating but now that i've been to e3 i can't say that's really true not because mm-hmm. of builders being poor just because there are some really damn looking good looking games out there well, as long as we're talking about Square Enix, um, there was one other game that I think has been kind of overlooked this show, but really stood out to me. Final Fantasy Brave Exvius? Nope. <laughs> Are you trolling me? Deus Ex? Nope. Um... See, see? See what I mean by overlooked? Oh, no, Nier Automata. Oh, Nier. Which uh, I actually think is going to be really good. Um... So, as I wrote in my article, uh, this is like 90% platinum. They have taken Taro Yoko, who um, is kind of known for his off-kilter games, to say the least, and maybe not the most polished games in the world, and really, like, well, polished it up a lot without sacrificing the spirit, I think. And he was there, he was talking, uh, We I got to interview him. You can read about it on the site and everything. But a couple things that stand out to me. First, I like the enemies. Um, they're these big mechanical golems. And they kind of look like the android, like the droids from Android. Uh, the android phone, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and when you hit them, you feel it. Like, you can kind of like feel like they're almost made out of stone or metal or whatever. They feel heavy. Mm. But it's not monotonous to hit them. It still feels good to actually hit them. That was something that stood out to me. Like, the combat's really good in general. Um, 
I, I enjoyed it. You have like multiple weapons and like there's a good mix of light and strong attacks. It, like everybody moves really well. The art's really distinctive. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. And I, and, and when I say that I don't think it's going to necessarily sacrifice the spirit, um, the, the, the platinum, apparently Yoko was like going, well, I, uh, well, Platinum's an action developer, so I think we should just make it an action game. And they're like, no, we must have, like, RPG elements. We need to keep all of that stuff from near. And he's like, okay, because <laughs> whatever. Um, he said that it's going to have an ultra-happy ending, which I find terrifying. That's not necessarily something you want to hear from this guy who has rather known for his blood-soaked, horrifying endings. So we'll see what this ultra happy ending is. I mean, what does ultra happy mean? I think it means, uh, well, somebody on Twitter suggested that maybe the main characters will be happy, but the world will not be happy. Uh, like in the yes. Uh, There's a giant moon in the ba- moon face in the background. It's going to be one of those, yes. With the, the sea is blood and um, they're like choking one another, exactly. Anyway, so the stuff that they showed, they showed um, a little bit of, like, the world, mm-hmm. which um, it's, it's attractive. It's, like, post-apocalyptic runescape, um, like, cities with uh, kind of like, um, what was it, Earth After Humans or whatever on the History Channel? Uh, whatever. Like, <laughs> waterfalls and ruined cities and, like, overgrown buildings and all that stuff. Right. And they let me play around with the battle system and, like, try and get a high score in, like, this little arena that they had made for me. So I was trying some of that stuff out. And... So, so is it a platinum action RPG? Mm-hmm. Or is it a full-on, like, regular RPG? Yeah. It's a platinum action RPG. Okay. Uh, with Taro Yoko actually... Or Yoko Taro actually directing it. Okay. Yeah, so he said it was, like, 90%... Platinum with Square Enix like providing support, and they're implementing his vision, which is um, well, no offense to Kavya, like R.I.P. dearly departed and all that, but I think this is a step up. As long as Platinum, we, we were talking on another podcast. Whatever Platinum needs to do to keep going, I'm more than happy with, and I'm trying to. I'm more excited for it than Scalebound, to be honest. Uh, like maybe it's maybe we're harshing it on it a little bit, um, but it didn't demo so well um, uh, at the Xbox conference. It honestly looked kind of ugly. Um, we'll see though. I mean, Kamiya is I haven't played a bad Kamiya game, and it could be really interesting. I mean, Scalebound is going to be kind of an RPG too, if I can kind of un- from what I'm able to understand. Uh, so we probably aren't getting the full vision of what this game is actually going to be. They right. might have shown a bad vertical slice, but the slice that I saw of Nier was more interesting to me. And, of course, the original was a cult hit. Yeah. or It ended up being a cult favorite. I don't know if hit's the right word, uh, just because it's so weird. That's what he does. He's a weird guy. His games are weird. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. I like weird. Did he have the, the hammer all on? No. Until I took a picture of him. I was about to say, it was, so, so it was there, though. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, he was sitting there just hanging out, chatting, and then I said, we were like, okay, time to take a picture. 
And he went and put on the hat, <laughs> like the little hat thing, so that we could all like take pictures of him. And when he comes out to the stage, he's wearing that too. Like he always wears it. Uh, it's just public public appearances. He must. He's probably very shy. I can respect that. He also has a very very like dry sense of humor. I can't tell if it's a dry sense of humor or if he's like. Uh, just like being extremely blunt and direct when you're like, <laughs> people are like, oh, um, Taro Yoko, how do you come up with, uh, your endings in your games? And he goes, alcohol. I mean, <laughs> it's just like very direct. And you're like, uh, okay. You can't, you can't tell if he's messing with you or he's just like, uh, whatever. I'll just say whatever. Uh, I'm actually thinking. I, I think it's actually probably the latter. Anyway, Mike. Me. What'd you play? RPG wise? RPG wise. Battle Chasers Nightmore. And I didn't even get to play it. I don't even know what that is. So, way back in the day, there was a a, a company. How long ago? Oh, come on. That was like, that was a long time ago. This is like a decade. Stop it. He's Uh, giving you the look. (laughs) Um. Uh. Comic artist, hot comic artist at the time, Joe Madura. Mad, Mad, I don't actually know. Madera, I think. Madera. Joe Mad uh, created a comic called Battle Chasers. Did like six issues and then never returned to it. And then he went to go make video games with Vigil, eventually working on Darksiders, Darksiders 2. That went down and he took his toys and made his own little studio and now they are revisiting battle chasers which has been like a 10-year gap in an rpg and he's always wanted to make an rpg and now he has made an rpg with battle chasers and it is 100 percent straight up a turn-based rpg your characters are on one side the enemy is on the other you choose your attacks and special moves the animation and like an art is just beautiful though like it's such a good looking game because it's joe mad's art and then his brother is the animation director so i guess they've worked together enough that his brother is really good at bringing together uh mad's dynamic art over to an animated so it's it's a very pretty game, and if you really wanted that old school, just like straight up turn based RPG, it's one of the few games in town. Hmm. Alright. Interesting. It's like, it's like that and like Bravely Default. Dragonfly. Oh, yes. Well, old Dragon Quest is coming back. Yeah. I Am Setsuna. Anybody? I Am Setsuna? I liked I Am Setsuna. We were talking about I Am Setsuna earlier, Cat. That does not like the art art I'm, style. I'm out on the art. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it, it looks kind of it. Eh. The fact that it was a game that was also meant to fit on Vita is yeah. readily apparent. I would say so. Uh, and maybe it's unfair to judge a game on its art, but it's kind of a big factor for me, to be honest. I really like good art in a game. Yeah. I think it really impacts. I think it really just impacts my desire to keep playing this game because if I'm staring at bad art for a very long time, it gets a little tiresome after a while. And really, really good art can just convey like emotions, it can convey the story, it can do so many things. 
and this is an unfair thing to say, but I'm Setsuna looks a little cheap to me. It, it's definitely like late PS2, early PS3 style. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would almost Tokyo, say like Tokyo, early PS2. Tokyo RPG uh, Studio. I don't think they had a lot of resources, but I enjoyed the game. My it's, first it's definitely straight up um, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger. Yeah, no, yeah, they did straight up Chrono Trigger. That's never a bad. Straight thing. up Chrono Trigger. Um, the characters seemed enjoyable from what I had played before, and uh, the music is just amazing. It's all orchestral score. So, so final thoughts on the RPG slate this year that was being shown at E3 2016. I feel pretty good. Pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good granted, game. most of them are coming out next year. They're not coming out this fall. Um, I actually can't think of many RPGs that are actually coming out this fall, aside from Dragon Quest Seven, Star Ocean. Fantasy, Star Ocean. Yes, okay, there we go. Like, <laughs> that's the thing, is like, the games that are coming out this fall keep slipping my mind. Like, it's, I, like, when I look, I go, oh yeah, like, Last Guardian's coming out. I Am Setsuna's coming out this year, isn't it? Uh, yes. Deus Ex? Day, is it? Is it coming out this year? Yeah, like August? Yeah. Yeah, like, there there are games coming out Pretty when I look at the Square list. Square Enix has a ton of RPGs coming out this year. But for some reason, like, it all, like, just is a big mix in my mind. It's like, nothing is standing out to me, like, maybe last year. I don't know. I feel I just feel like all the games that I'm really looking forward to are coming out next year. Now, as they start to come out, I'll be like, oh, yeah, like, I'm excited to play this. Like, I'm kind of interested to play Deus Ex. I'm very interested to play Final Fantasy XV just to see what it is. Very interested to see Dragon Quest VII. Um, but, you know, overall, like, I'm pretty interested in a lot of games coming out. Most especially Horizon Zero Dawn. I will see what I how I feel about Zelda going forward. Obviously, Persona 5 is a huge one. Uh, so, yeah. Another successful year, I think, uh, for RPGs <laughs> here at E3 2016. We did it, everyone. We did it. We Even though RPGs fun. don't demo all that well at E3, but no. whatever. And in the meantime, oh, we're finally done with E3 2016 as well. We got a couple more. So There's so much writing to do. Like, no, quiet, done. you. I, we're, we're done. We're done. It's over. We're off the show floor. It's good. But in any case, um, you can find Axe of the Blood God on YouTube, um, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever RPGs can... RPGs, oh my god, I've been on the show floor for five days. Uh, wherever podcasts can be found, subscribe to us, rate us, uh, give, leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot if you have any... Thoughts on the show, send me a DM on the site at cat.bailey or leave a comment on the show notes or email me at cat.bailey at usgamer.net. I actually got this like really cool um, Morgana hat from Morgana's little cat from Persona 5. And a little... I thought Morgana was the cat. Morgana is the cat. Yeah. That's what I said. I think I said Morgana's cat. Morgana is the cat. Oh, okay. Morgana's the cat from Persona 5. Hello, so Morgana nice. hat. Um, I'm happy to give it away to a listener, but I need to come up with a good, um, uh, I need to come up with a good giveaway. There's so. gotta be something you have to do. Yeah, Kat didn't like my suggestion of, uh, showing us a Photoshop of the cat's face over your cleavage, so, <laughs> uh... Men should, only. 
It should be something like, show us your cat. Oh. What if you don't have a cat? That's not fair. Well, then, then you don't you get the hat. Lose. You don't get a cat hat if you don't have a cat. Yeah, that's not cool. Go and adopt a cat. Some of us would like cats. But oh, they would just go on Google Image them. search and say, this is my cat. <laughs> that's this what I would cat. do. His name is Bub. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Jeremy, we can find you on uh, Twitter at GameSpite. Game yeah, and uh, is there anything you particularly want to highlight that you wrote article-wise from E3? Nah, just go read it all. It's so good. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> read everything. Please. Please do. Mike, you're Automatic Zen. At Automatic Zen. All right. Well, I assume... You should listen to our flagship podcast, though, which will be returning in its usual form next week. We did a bunch of streams. And we'll talk more about E3, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I we'll... Spec. I expect. Um, yeah, next week, uh, as usual, on Wednesday, from us to you, find us on YouTube and on iTunes. And next week, uh, Nadia will be back on the show, and we'll probably talk about Grand Kingdom, I think. A bunch of stuff came out. During E3, which always seems like a bad idea. Yeah, Rhythm Heaven. Yep, yeah. Rhythm Heaven came out. Not Mother 3, though. Oh, God, why would you do that? Yeah, everybody wanted Mother yeah. 3, but kind of lost that Red Dead I Redemption, too. they were just too. trying to spite Emily Rogers. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I get to, can, I can't talk about it, but I get to play Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which I'm really excited oh, for. Oh, I need to buy that. Persona that's not Persona. I need to see if it's good so you can know if I want to buy it or not. I think all the cool kids refer to it as Sharp FE. Yeah. The game has so many stupid names. You would think that. Can we just call it SMT Crossfire Emblem? All the people who are involved in its development call it Sharp FE. Uh, I was about to say whatever I say is the coolest. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. You are the the barometer of cool. But then you were like all the people who worked on it, and now I, I got nothing. I just... So, sharp FE, y'all. <laughs> Regardless, we'll have plenty of RPGs to talk about next week. Until then, I've been Cat Bailey. We're all going to go out and have some sushi now. Like, just as you would expect us to do as our kind of post-show thing. Uh, thanks to Jeremy and to Mike for coming on the show. We'll see you again next week. Until then, happy adventuring.